Jimmy Smith, he goes for the shot in the back of the net. Keep your eye on goal of the day. That's got to be a contender early on. He takes the right for the shot. Oh my goodness me! And you would, as a Crawley fan, begin to believe the three points are yours. It's the best night of Crawley Town's lives. And there may be more to come. Hello and welcome to episode 15 of Straight Red, the Crawley Town podcast by fans, for fans. All the usual in this episode coming up. So we look at match reviews and matches coming up, a transfer update. In the big question, we find out who you think is the best and worst piece of business from the summer transfer window. In Broadfield Buzz, that's all the news off the field. And we discuss why nobody came back from the Norwich game. And in added time, we wrap things up. Well, hello. Welcome to the Straight Red Podcast. I'm Jonathan. Ewan is sat opposite me. Say hello. 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 And welcome, welcome to the podcast. It's been uh, quite some time since our last one, but hopefully from now that we're into the season, it shouldn't be too long between each podcast for us to uh, to keep sending them out to you. So, Ewan... We're going to start off this podcast slightly differently, a bit of feedback. Yeah, the, we, I listen to quite a few podcasts, and what I like about them is at the start of each show, you tend to do a little bit of a feedback review. Um, some positive, some not negative, but constructive, and we get plenty. So we do ask for your feedback each episode, and I, I, I was sort of like aware that although we ask for it, we've never really reflected on it, although we do in private, um, just to let you guys know, we are absolutely listening. So we've got some great feedback, and we've got some constructive feedback and I like them both so let's start with the positive stuff and I'm going to start on Twitter Phil Brogio said great podcast as usual love your enthusiasm and banter let's hope the season goes from strength to strength Matt Colburn said great listeners always much appreciated Chris Needham said, always listen, as always. Uh, let's celebrate your birthday with three points tomorrow. It was our birthday episode last episode. Peter Bellamy, constructive this. A bit premature to write off uh, Lewis Young, given he's suspended at the moment. Now, I did suggest on the last episode that will we see Lewis Young again? Not writing him off completely, Peter, but it's going to be very difficult to see him back in the side. Well, we, n- we nearly saw him in the cup match, but he was delayed, wasn't he? He yeah, didn't quite so make it to the ground in time. Jumping forward, we will discuss this in more detail. Bit of bully um, a podcast that the club do. We found out that Lewis Young was meant to start against... Norwich. Norwich, but he didn't make it to the uh, stadium in time, so we missed out there. Uh, Aidan Quinnell on Twitter said, great inspiration for a rainy day, research weather, and much more has actually ever meant anything. That's a reference to the last episode. <laughs> Thanks, Aidan. And uh, Charlie Pelthorpe said, cracking podcast. Lad. So thank you to everybody on Twitter that was going to have some feedback. Uh, now, the forum, we got some feedback on the forum. The forum is a private group, so I'm not going to name any names here, but we did get some really lovely feedback. So somebody said, great as always, the club uh, may have a podcast, but yours will always have my listen. So thank you very much. Another brilliant listen as usual and happy birthday. Another good listen, fellas, was another one. Now, this is the one that I do need to have a little bit of a response to. Um, and I did go back on the forum just to have a quick chat. Would you suggest I crucified... Gabriel Choffey last season. Well, let's say you weren't his biggest fan, but I wouldn't go as far as crucifying. I, th- I thought crucified was quite a harsh word. The crucifixion um, is quite a strong death, isn't it? it? it it's, it's a brutal death. I don't think I gave Gabby a brutal death, but I did what well, I was most definitely in the Gabriel Choffey outcamp in the latter half of last season. And I think with good reason as well. Three wins in 23. Um, and the the, yeah, the comment continued, no doubt he will now, this is regards to me, no doubt you will now jump back on the We Love Chuffy bandwagon and slag off anyone who dares to have a different view. 
well, I have a different view and you haven't had a go at me yet. No, absolutely not now. I think I looked up the definition of bandwagon because I was a bit <laughs> upset with that. And basically, bandwagon is, is when you agree with an opinion that's simply because it's popular. Okay, so the example would be if I'd never been to a Crawley game and I was saying, oh, everybody's saying Chuffy out, I'm going to jump on that bandwagon. That's a bandwagon. My opinion is based on stats, information, watching the team, results, an educated opinion. So it's, it's not a bandwagon. Um, and yes, three wins out of 23, along with, I think it was 83% of the Crawley fan base, I was in a Chuffy out. Now, he's clearly turned things around over the summer, got some of his own team in, he's doing very well. I absolutely don't want him to leave at the moment. That's, an, that's an, just an updated opinion based on facts and information, I think. Um, and, of course, if he then went on to lose three or, or win three of the next 23, I think I'd be okay in getting back on the out bandwagon, maybe. <laughs> um, but, hey-ho. Uh, Alan actually agreed with me, uh, no surnames given, but uh, along with many other, this is on the forum, along with many other fans of Crawley Town, I had serious doubts about Gabriel Choppy's ability to manage the club, but like you, I am prepared to change my mind. P.S. Keep up the good work with the podcast. Lovely. Um, and I did give a, an analogy of why I changed my opinion. I feel like I need to back it up a little bit. And the opinion I gave was going to a restaurant. And I'm going to edit this analogy because I was given some really good information on the forum to make it a little bit of a, bit of a better analogy. So imagine going to a restaurant 23 times and only on three occasions you get a good meal. In brackets, a, a win. You see where this is going. Yes, so yeah. the plates are dirty. Uh, the waiter and waitresses don't provide a good service. The food is rubbish from the chef. So naturally, if you go to that restaurant 23 times, only get three good meals, you're probably going to say, the chef needs to go. This isn't good enough. You go to the management and you suggest, the chef needs to leave this place. It's a seasonal restaurant, so you go back after the summer, and then after the summer, the chef has had a chance to buy some new cutlery, get some new waiting staff in, and he's improved his offering. The, the food's now quite good. I no longer want the chef to leave because what he's providing on my plate is of worthy to my money I'm watching and spending my time at the club, okay? So, again, if it goes back to being poor food or three good meals out of the next 23, again, I think the chef's probably going to have to go. That's but my analogy. Are you, are you saying by that analogy, though, that Gabriel Choffi has the skills already there then, that you, that you think he's a good enough manager? I think... By keeping Gabriel Schoffi, has clearly turned out to be a good decision. So fair play to the club for sticking with him. Absolutely well done. And I'm man enough to say, yep, absolutely right choice in the long term. I think what you'll find is nine times out of ten, that will turn out to be the wrong decision. I think it's very rare that you will find a board that will give a manager sort of 20 losses in 23 games and maintain with that because the likelihood is that manager is going to continue to be successful there's going to be a one in 10 scenario where the manager is successful thankfully we have had that with Gabriel Schoffi we're looking like a great team now there's plenty of squad depth there's been some great signings over the summer which we're going to go on to um, so yeah by all means that one in 10 is absolutely worked out absolutely fantastic but if you if you put me back in time and we had that terrible run I'd still be Choffy out, and considering where we are now, I'm now absolutely Choffy in. I think the majority of the fan base would, would be in the same boat, I think. Fair enough. No, I, I'm very pleased that the club did continue to listen because I 
uh, unlike you, in remained on the Chiope Inn bandwagon. Con- congratulations well, it's not a bandwagon because it wasn't popular. <laughs> but yes, anyway, don't say we don't listen to you. And of course, uh, the podcast is available to listen to on SoundCloud and on iTunes. You can subscribe to us there. And helpfully today, I collated all the episodes from last season into a nice little playlist called Season 1. So if you at any point do want to recap back on Season 1, you can. Or you can find season two quite easily because it was getting a little bit jumbled up with the amount of podcasts we had there. Cool. Um, and Facebook to finish with. I haven't finished yet. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Facebook just to finish with. Again, Facebook, it's a private group. So there's no names here apart from one because I've got permission. But uh, we've had a love these. Somebody said this is an excellent podcast by very well-informed individuals. I completely agree with the score predictions too. So that is you. Well done, Jonathan. Uh, and somebody else said this is a great listen. Love the optimism and predictions for the next five games. Again, yourself, Jonathan. And another one, congratulations to those responsible for the Straight Road podcast. Just had a listen. It's slick, professional, and they've done a great job. Give it a go. We agree. Give it a great go. Now, the one, now, I, I'm not going to paraphrase this. It's a little bit long, but it's from Nick Hilton. And I've had Nick's permission to, to read this out in full. I'm not going to paraphrase it because that wouldn't do it justice. Okay, this is more reference to episode uh, 13 which was the mid-summer special where we discussed the CTSA in a little bit of detail. Okay, so I'm just going to read this out in full. This is from Nick Hilton. Um, I've just listened to your previous podcast, and to be honest, I'm absolutely spitting feathers that after saying that you would give the CTSA a chance to respond, you then spend the next five minutes, this is me, uh, criticising their modus operandi and criticising their response and even their finances, which from my experience is taken out of context to such an extent I would question your editorial independence on the issue, particularly with regards to your constant referencing of one individual. Um, I think he's talking about Paul there. Okay, I know that things have moved on from July, but I believe your podcast comments fail to understand that because of what happened previously here, that fans value an independent supporters group and that having a fans rep was a fantastic achievement and that ignored lots of the charitable and community projects that have been involved with for many years. I'm pleased that Sam is coming on, Sam is coming on to set the record straight, but I'm concerned that you have set Uh, the terms of the debate already. You have to remember that in 2014, three fans were banned by the club for daring to question the club on the alleged say-so of one person who is now promoting a different type of fan engagement. Again, Paul. When you look at the likes of Blackpool, Coventry, and the desperate situation at Bury, you need the likes of the CTSA and similar independent voices to hold owners to account if the fit and proper rules are not sufficient. So first of all, Thank you, Nick. As we sort of discussed very briefly on Facebook, uh, the one thing I love about the podcast, it opens up these conversations, okay? And our opinions don't necessarily are, just because we're, we're the ones hosting the podcast, our opinions, mine and Jonathan, aren't necessarily right. They're just our opinions, and people are going to completely and totally disagree with them. Um, what I would say, obviously, nobody, we never have the intention of anybody spitting feathers at anything we're saying. It's just kind of our opinions. But So that's why I was so sort of, um, so sort of focused on this reply of yours, Nick. Um, now, I think you might have a fair point. After, I did say um, we'll give the CTSA a fair chance to respond. We've got Sam Jordan coming on next week. It's going to be released as a separate episode because we just can't get him here tonight when we're recording. And then I did spend a little bit of time just giving my opinion 
on that little saga that CTSA had when the poll came out in um, regards to the trading grade. And may maybe I did go into a little bit too much detail. And we are absolutely getting Sam on the show to sort of come and respond to that, talk about the CTSA, where it's going. I think you're absolutely right, Nick. Things have moved on since July. I think the dust had settled slightly on that episode. Um, and that, I mean, there was an AGM before that episode, which we didn't discuss whatsoever because we didn't think it was going to be fair. But I appreciate you think I might have gone a little bit too far in my opinions. It's going to be great to have Sam on next week. Really looking forward to talking to him. The reason Sam can't be on sort of tonight, tomorrow is there is uh, uh, the, the board, the, the CTSA. I've got a meeting with the board tomorrow or yesterday because this is going to be released on Friday. And we both thought it'd be really valuable to have information from that meeting with the board to obviously put forward in our, in our conversation. Otherwise, we'd sort of miss that opportunity. So um, hopefully, Nick, I agree with you. Hopefully, Nick can sort of um, round things out in that question and answer session next week. Uh, you did mention that uh, you were concerned that we may have set the terms of the debate already. Absolutely not so, or, or at least I don't think so. A lot of the questions are going to be coming from the fans, and our agenda is going to be based on general fans' opinions, because that is what we try and represent here. Yeah, and all I would say is listen to the interview. We haven't done it yet. Listen to the interview and, and, and tell us whether it's too biased or not. I don't, I don't think we're going to be going in with a biased agenda, but we'll let you decide. Yeah, thank you very much to everybody that gave a comment. And um, we didn't name some of you, of course, they're private groups, but uh, we really love your feedback. And hopefully, just by doing this, you realize we really are um, listening to everything you're saying. Okay, next up, we have our fixtures roundup. So we've had six games since the last podcast. Jonathan, you had some pretty a positive um, predictions for those five games, which I was slightly questioning. I think you've proven me wrong. Yes, well, let's dig through them. Well, first off, the, the furthest game away from us now was Scunthorpe. I predicted a draw. We got <gasps> a draw. To all. Excellent. And then the next game was Crew. I predicted a win. Very positive. Unfortunately, we got a loss. So not a correct prediction there. Next game up was Leighton Orient away. Uh, I predicted a draw. We nearly did have a draw, but we scraped uh, another goal. Good old, Ollie, good old Ollie Palmer, eh? Yeah, with his with nice brace in that game. So a 3-2 win for the Reds there. And then next up was the cup game. Very positively, I said a win, and we did get a win. We'll dive into that a bit more in a second. Then back to the league, I predicted a win against Cheltenham. And we did get a 1-0 win, just about. You've, just done all, about. You, you've done all right, haven't you? Yes. I so, mean, uh, positivity absolutely shines through. And it's been a really good run of five games. Um, very quickly, Portsmouth last night. I don't think too many people are particularly fussed, but it was a 1-0 loss. Um, so let's just sort of, let's uh, skip past Scunthorpe and Crew. Let's have a quick look at Leighton Orient. Fantastic away win. Two goals for Ollie Palmer in quick succession, um, around the hour or so mark. And do you know what? Ollie Palmer, he, he divided opinion at the end of last season. Had a terrible second half to last season. Um, nobody can argue that. He's like a player reborn in the last few games. Do you think it's because of all the new strikers and attacking players that Crawley have brought in? It's really kind of pushed him to be a bit more alive? It's got to be a part of it. I mean, Ashley Addison came in with a lot of fanfare, not seen much of him yet. Uh, Bezla Bala scoring some great goals. And even now, we'll go on to this in a second, but the new um, Badoue? How do, how do you say it? He looks like an attacking striker as well. So Denzel Bawadu. That'll do. He's definitely got his work cut out and um, fair play to the guy. And again, I was on that, I'm going to call it a 
bandwagon, Jonathan, <laughs> um, where we thought, you know, he's probably going to go in the summer. He very nearly did go to Southend, but he's clearly dug his heels in, got back in the squad, back in Gabriel Choffey's good books and in favour. And my goodness me, getting the goals in, that's all we want him to do. And then, so Norwich was the next match-up. A oh wonderful, wonderful cup game under the lights, and you were there to experience it. Absolutely. I'd experienced it like I don't normally do. We usually do the commentary. However, I wasn't commenting on the Norwich game, so I got to enjoy it with a very good friend of mine uh, and his son. And for the it might be the first time ever, I got to the game quite early, about sort of quarter past six. I sat outside Reds on one of the little tables. I had two pints of cider and a pasty, and I soaked up the atmosphere. Very nice. How and was it? Did you enjoy it? Do you know what? It's a cup game. It was busy. There was Crawley fans, Norwich fans. Everybody's just got a bit more of a smile on their face. It's just that. I know it's not the FA Cup, but it's a cup game. And we're in the second round and people were looking forward to it. There was just a lovely, warm, excited atmosphere. And it helps having 5,000 people there. And by all means, it's like over double the usual crowd. But it genuinely, genuinely, sorry, felt as you walk through the turnstiles to our seats, we were just sat in the West End Block A, so quite near, the, as close as you can get to the home terrace, but still sitting down. And it just felt different. It felt exciting. And from the first minute, I mean, we were under the cosh for the first 15 minutes. Got a goal absolutely on the break. We could have been 2-0 down. And on the score, on the team sheet... I was in that group of people that said, Lion Baller in goal, come on, this is a massive game. Surely you get Glenn Morrison for this one. Clearly a reward for his antics at Walsall. And he absolutely proved me wrong. And we quite clearly now have a very, very capable number two to Glenn Morris. Even fighting for a start in the, um, in, in the lineup and on the league games as well. Um, and of course, Labala gets his um, fifth goal in five or six games. I forget the count now. Um, and from then on, just 11 heroic performances. You, you couldn't fault a single person on the pitch. There was flares, there was floodlights, there was excitement. I was going to say, do you think the fans had something to play in the game? Because there was just over 5,200, which mm. is one of the highest attendances, I think, ever at the Czech Yeah, trade. most definitely. I mean, it was classed... Sorry, People's Pension. I just had there you go. That's all right. Broadfield. So there was 5,109 attendances, 1,700 away, which left around about 3,400 Crawley fans, which is around about 1,500 more than we usually would get. In Broadfield Buzz, we're going to really dig into where did they go for the Cheltenham game. Let's drop that for now. Um, the atmosphere was brilliant. And there's no doubt if you're a player on the pitch, playing in front of a sold-out crowd, surely that must give you some sort of rush and buzz rather than playing in front of 2,000, seeing empty seats, sort of spaces in the terraces at both ends. Um, just a wonderful night for Crawley Town Football Club. A fantastic performance from start to finish. Really sort of held it together when we were, again, sort of under so much pressure. And going 1-0 up um, didn't phase them at all. Great, great team performance. Um, and, of course, Stoke in the next round, which is unfortunately not a Premier League club. But we got a little bit of history with Stoke. So we'll welcome them back in a few weeks' time. And um, fingers crossed we can put something together to make sure those extra 1,500 we had um, come back for that cup game. And that was also, funnily enough, the first time Crawley have ever claimed a, a Premier League scalp, as they say. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so Cheltenham now, I suppose, is the last game on, on Saturday that we had in the league. Oh. And, well, it was quite a stark contrast from that cup game because, first of all, hardly any fans in the ground. Um, but also, secondly, first five minutes was, was cracking. I thought, well, Crawley are on the front foot here. And then 
like you well know, Ewan, it kind of backed away from there and nothing really happened until the final five minutes. It was a pretty, like you say, first five minutes, great. The next 83 dollars dishwater, really, really boring stuff. Now, there is a reason for that, I think. Crawley have now played, when they play in Macclesfield next week, they'll have played nine consecutive Saturdays and Tuesdays, which must be some sort of record. I know that that comes with success in the Cup, and that's just what happens. That's fine. But um, it's got to have an impact. I know we've got a fairly deep squad this year. You can rotate a little bit. But, um, but even still, what the team they play in the league is, is not too dissimilar, really. It doesn't change too much. No, and a particular mention, I've got to mention at this point before I forget, um, Dallison and Tunnicliffe, the centre-backs this year, it reminds me of kind of like McFadden and Mills in 2010-11. Yes, yes. They're absolutely solid. They're absolutely fantastic. Let's hope. They've played every single League and Cup game so far um, together at the back. They've, they're the only two players to do that so far this season, apart from the game last night against Portsmouth. Um, so excited about those two. That, that's a partnership that could just live the entire season. And with Morris or Lyon Barla behind them, um, obviously Doherty and, and Cissé on the wings. So you get, uh, still, still not completely convinced about Doherty, but it shored up that position. And um, we've just got a great squad. We're going to come on to the, the finalisation of the transfers uh, window shortly. But yeah, I mean, scrapping out a win like that when it's been a really dull game, that, that could be a massively important three points come the end of the season. Now up to eighth in the table and that's what Crawley have struggled to do those getting those scrappy wins but that's what they did and also if you like a stat three wins in seven days and 10 points from six games if I told you that at the beginning of the season I'm sure you would have quite happily have taken that absolutely I think if we jump back to predictions from all our listeners in the last episode everybody was, I'd say an aggregate was around about 12th or 13th or so so yeah eighth in the table two points off automatic promotion places um, as it stands very early days in the season but yeah very exciting all good and I know you already mentioned the 1-0 loss uh, yesterday to Portsmouth, but very quickly, Luan Bula, the goalkeeper, not Lubala, the striker. <laughs> Do you think that he now deserves a run in the first team for league matches based upon his performances? Because he made a few good saves last night as well. I don't think Glenn Morris has done anything to lose his place. I think that's the, that's the issue here. So I don't see why Glenn Morris would lose his um, league games. The big question is, if we progress further in the cup, and let's just say, let's just have a dream and say we reach the quarterfinal of the, the Carabao Cup, or even the sort of the fourth round maybe. Um, do you start putting Morris in at those later I mean, it's already important stages, or is it one of those situations where, you know what, he's, he's earned his right to be in that team entirely throughout? And at the moment, I think it'd be very harsh not to play him against Stoke. I think you will play him against Stoke. Um, but Morris has done nothing to lose his place in the, in the league squad. Yeah, that's a fair, fair enough comment there. So, like you mentioned, Stoke in the Carrero Cup next up at home. That'll be... Hopefully a better game than when Stoke visited last time. I still vaguely remember the FA Cup match where Stoke visited and it was a pretty flat, casual Sunday, sunny afternoon, wasn't it? Well, it was on telly, so we didn't sort of feel the ground with what you might do. Um, I remember standing in the tunnel. I was at the back of the tunnel that um, game when the players came out and stood behind Peter Crouch. I know he's a tall guy. He is bloody massive. Up close, he is absolutely massive. Did he have to duck to get through the tunnel? He 
probably did to be probably used to it though to be fair um and i remember when uh, he hit the crossbar he hit his own crossbar as well but then a 2-0 loss um like i said a fairly flat atmosphere let's hope we can sort of pull it together again it'll be under the lights of course so that's always nice let's hope it's not going to be on tv clearly so let's hope we can sort of pack it out close to 5000 again and then get people excited for um an even better cup than we've already got so other fixtures that's still the cup other fixtures coming up in September, away to Macclesfield on the 7th, home to Mansfield on the 14th, away at Plymouth Argyle on Tuesday night. Again, it's just constantly, isn't it? Uh, Northampton, then the Stoke game on the 24th, and then the final game. We might get a podcast in before this, but Saturday, September the 28th, we're home to Walsall as well. Yeah, hopefully we'll get a podcast in before that cup game because it'd be quite nice to spend some more attention on it. But very quickly, would you like my predictions? I'm going to give them to you anyway. Rattle, rattle them out. So Macclesfield away this Saturday. I'm going for a draw. Mansfield at home in, in two weeks' time. Interestingly also, John Dempster. Remember that name? Yes. He's their manager. Babyface. Yes. Or so. granddad face. Which one was it? <laughs> so he played for the Reds back in 2011-12. Only made 17 appearances. Though. Oh, but, I don't remember. But yes, uh, I'm going for a win. And then a draw against Plymouth at home, just because uh, they've had a pretty good start to the season so far. And then Northampton away, I'm going for a win, just because they've been a little bit shaky. So to sum up, a draw, win, draw, win. Sounds all right to me. So, Jonathan, we thought on the last podcast we'd sort of cleared up the transfer window, but of course it closed on the 2nd of September and there were some last-minute movements in and out. Yes, so let's start with out. Felipe Marais, a club favourite. Although with the management team, maybe not so much of a club favourite. We we don't exactly know the stance that they have. He went officially, I believe, off on loan to Oldham until May 2020, although it's probably likely to become permanent because the reason for that was family reasons. He ain't coming back, is he? No, and we absolutely love Felipe. He's always been very kind to us. He chats to us sort of DMs with our Twitter account as well. Absolutely great guy. Done very well this season. Absolutely gutted to see him go, as were all the other fans as well. He left some really lovely messages uh, when he did put that uh, official statement out on Insta and Twitter. Um, so if you haven't seen that, go and have a look. Yeah, joined the club in 2017. Only made 44 appearances. I thought it might be more than that. And scoring nine goals. But uh, he'll be, be remembered very, very fondly. And Newman was working very hard because he got an early scoop on the news, didn't you? Yeah, pretty close. Um, yeah, just noticed some, it was some sort of agent, can't remember, but they mentioned that Felipe might be going out on loan. So I messaged Felipe just to get that confirmed. And he said, yeah, sorry, family reasons. So uh, we were the first sort of Crawley-based account to sort of mention that. Then about an hour later, he did um, officially confirm that as well. So the other player who's uh, left the Reds, maybe a slightly positive response from you and now, Dominic Polian. Well, it's it's a different response, isn't it? Um, I mean, there's there's no fans that I could see when he was officially left left any nice comments. Basically, um, contract terminated, so we can join Newport County. Terminated by mutual agreement. Um, Dominic joined the Reds in August 2018 and made 30 appearances for the club last season, scoring five goals. To his credit, he did put out quite a nice statement on Twitter after he left, but. Again, the comments on it were pretty damning. Yeah. Also, a little caveat in his 
contract I think which they put in is that he can't play against Crawley for the rest of this League Two season. So I mean, I don't. Some fans were saying we should have just allowed him to play against Crawley. Clearly, well, a better chance of winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, no, very, very sad to see Felipe go. Um, less sad to see Dominic go. And we've had a couple come in as well since our last podcast. Yes. So a defender. A lot of people still kind of like, well, is there enough contention at the back? Do we have enough people there? Well, they've signed another defender. Jamie Sendles White on a one-year deal. Um, most recently, he's played in the National League for Torquay, but he's been training for the Reds for quite some time now. And apparently, Gabriel Trophy is quite impressed with him. And apparently, by all accounts, last night had a good game against Portsmouth as well. Only played um, three times for Torquay last season. 25-year-old. He did start his career with QPR, during which time he played seven games on loan at Mansfield Town. So. Um, I'll be honest, haven't done enough research on this. Not sure how much he's actually been playing entirely over the last few years. But uh, going, you can only go on last night's opinions. But uh, like you said, shoring up the defences once again. And then most recently, uh, uh, the club really went to town on the headline for this player as well. Here's the headline. Red sign former Spurs, Arsenal, Man City and Borussia Dortmund striker Denzel Baudu. Yes. Really uh, getting in his past employers there. So he's... And also England under 17s and under 18s. I think it's uh, we should point out that neither of those clubs mentioned has he played in the first team for. However, good to look on your CV. And now he's, um, he, his career's peaked. He's joined Crawley. So, so I think he's been hit by quite a bit of injury, which is why he didn't really succeed at those clubs going forward. And, and like I think it was Erdem or Salim mentioned that basically you need to sometimes go back in your career in order to go forward again. And he's clearly got some sort of spark to have been signed by those clubs in the first place. That's exactly what this is. So when he was at City, he was out for 20 months with a foot injury. And Crawley is clearly going to be a stepping stone, um, but we'll have him absolutely 100%, of course, we all signed outside the transfer window as a free agent as well. So we have him on free for a year um, and then sell him on. It's great, great business again. So he's on a two-year deal. He's 22 years old. So uh, another youngster to join the squad. And again, to quote Gabriel Trophy, the signings that he is bringing in are generally young because he wants to build a young and hungry squad. And the very last one, just one extended loan. Ibrahim Mite extends his loan deal by one month with national lead leaders Woking. So all in all, you've got to say, really great transfer window. Yeah, and hats off to Salim Erdem and all the other sort of scouts and other advisors who are working behind the scenes to bring these players in because I really do think they're actually doing quite a cracking job to be honest to be finding these players and and contacting their uh, people around uh, the grounds in the UK and abroad to work out whether these players are good or not it'll be nice to see hopefully some profit coming in from players in the future So now on to the big question, which always gets a great response from all of you. So thank you so much for responding. The question was basically now that the transfer window has ended. Tell us, in your opinion, what the Reds best bit of business was and what their worst bit of business was. And Ewan, fire away with all of these responses. I'm going to start just by saying, Dominic Polion, if you are listening, I hope you've enjoyed the show thus far. You'd probably want to skip forward the next two or three minutes because this segment doesn't go very well for you. Okay, so best bit of business, worst bit of business. Now, when we say worst, I, I, I really couldn't think of a worst bit of business. So I was really looking forward to the answers. 
So this is what we had on Facebook. Paul Burton says, probably uh, obvious, but Polion going is the best bit of business. Totally get why Phil is going, but it is a shame. Richard Kale, best bit of business was Labala. Very clever to get in the way we did. Worst business because there's, um, worst business is tough because there's nothing we really did wrong. And th this this goes throughout the entire responses. Um, but if I really have to push Powell coming in, but not a chance of getting him to prove himself, or maybe Alfie Jones, where is he going to get the game time from? That's a really good point. Richard. Andy Hart said, keeping hold of CC has to be up there. Getting Nads was a real positive as well. Ferguson's looking great, as does Jordan. Bad business taking so long to cancel Polian's contract. Here we go. Um, Aaron King, best. Labala, great signing so far. Personally getting decent competition for Palmer has hopefully kicked him on a bit. Clearly has. And the worst deciding to loan Morris out last minute. He hasn't decided overnight. He wanted to go back up north. So could have had this done a lot earlier. From Twitter, Phil Brogio said, best business was Tunnicliffe to shore up our previously poor defensive record. Worst is losing Marais, but he can't be blamed. Absolutely agree. Sam Cook, best, although it's early doors, his best Labala is looking very good. Also think Ashley Nadison is a great signing. Worst, I think, is letting Marais go so close to the end of the window. Shame that couldn't have been sorted with a few weeks to get a replacement. Agree again. Lee Davies said, best, of, best bit of business was letting Marais Felipe go on loan to be closer to his family. Worst bit of business was losing Maurice Flight. Marais Felipe. Philippe Marais, a great player for the club. So, again, twice there. Really good point, Lee. Um, CTFC Fraser said, the best is Labala by a mile. Fought off competition and didn't have to pay a fee for such a talented young player, which our manager has known for years. Worst, can't say Marais. Marais, as club, had no choice. Rejecting, rejecting huge money for ANG when he's 24-year-old sat on the bench. Again, another good point there. Andy Salmon, the best. Getting in all the young talents such as Bearsley and Bala, Bloomfield, Nadison, Ferguson, Tunnicliffe. I only wanted one name, Andy. Name of the whole squad. And worst, no real bad business, but still think our left-back position needs sorting. Too much attack from opposition comes down that side. Uh, Mark Underwood, keeping out of Cissé, Kamara and Nathaniel George has been good business. Worst was not signing Maguire on a permanent deal after his season-long loan last season. Really good one. Stuart Frost, best getting rid of the snake. I can only assume he means Polian, but I'm putting words in his mouth. Worst is, well, you could say Philippe, but that's his personal sin rather than business. So no bad, really. The best, uh, this is George, best Labala and probably an unpopular opinion, but keeping Palmer as well as was good business. I agree with that. Worst, Marais, but it was his choice. John Lucy said the best getting shot of Polian and the worst was when we signed him in the first place. <laughs> Cheers, John Lucy. Uh, Malcolm, hashtag lots of numbers. Best uh, looking like bears. Worst, can't really say. Losing Felipe was a blow, but not really a club decision if more family matters. CTFC fan said, best Nathan Ferguson. I think that's a good prediction, that one, although he's been great so far. And the worst, of course, losing Philippe Marais. Jay said, best is Labala, seconded by Ferguson. Obviously de delighted to get rid of the snake. Uh, worst, would have, worst would have to agree with A&G as much as I rate him. Uh, Alex Burke said, lots of good business. Labala, the obvious choice, but really like Ferguson. Tunnicliffe impressive too, totally agree. Really couldn't pick a worst piece. Can see why all the decisions have been made. Slight shame. Matt Willock didn't return. Only person to say that. Really good point, Alex. Wayne, um, um, we're nearly done here. This is going on a bit. Uh, Wayne Traylin, uh, best bit. Mr. Polian has gone from the club. Worst is Mar uh, Philippe Marais leaving the club. 
Um, just a few more. Again, thank you so much for all your replies. We didn't want to sort of leave any out, that's all. Uh, Liam Green, the best has got to be Bears. I mean, six goals already, says it all, or maybe even getting rid of Ricky and Ibrahim on loan. Now they've got a chance to develop and become first team players. The worst, in my opinion, is getting rid of Yusuf. Was a brilliant keeper, but Liam, Liam Barlett looks... Um, what's what's that symbol? A-OK. A-OK, the great. Finger, the finger Wonderful. symbol. Um, apart from that, I don't think we can label anything the worst. I'm happy that Philippe went, despite he's a brilliant player. If we didn't accept the offer, his heart wouldn't have been in it. And the club have only done a really nice thing by letting him be closer to his family. Um, Benjamin Stokes, best. Labala joining, worst. Moraes departing. That's the kind of short answer I was looking for, Ben. Thank you. I was going to say, it's really amazing <laughs> hearing everyone having to justify all their answers yeah, and yeah. giving six but players. It's, it's great. It's absolutely great. Um, three more to go. Steve said, best signing, best Labala. Worst is losing Philippe Moraes, but respect his decision. Christmas come early for Polian getting out of our club. Um, Robert Layton, best getting shot of Polian. Worst letting Moraes go and not a few others. And I don't rate the manager. And my favourite one, the very last one, Colin Marchant said, the best bit of business, signing up Tilgate Bakery. Mmm, sausage rolls. And the worst, no Cornish pasties when I had planned to eat one for my dinner. <laughs> Thank you, Colin. I will say, Tilgate Bakery have seemed to have done a great job in yeah. and up in the catering. Yeah, so, absolutely. Well so signings aside, yeah, great to have Tilgate Bakery on board. Um, very little mention of Ashley Naddison in all of those responses. Yeah, he was meant to be our big headline signing. He was the marquee signing um, and he's predicted by a lot of people, including myself, to be the top goal scorer this year. Is he struggling to get in the squad at the moment? It's, it's difficult to, f with Palmer on fire, it's difficult to fit him into the squad because you can't have them both sort of up top. He, he, he did a good game. Was he sort of, Sort of, we play a 4-1-3-2, don't we? So it was, it was on like the left-hand side of the three behind Palmer. And that sort of worked okay, but it, there's a lot of work to be done, especially with Badu coming in now. We seem to have a lot of sort of attacking midfielders and strikers, which is absolutely brilliant, but you can't fit them all on the same team sheet. Yeah, and my worst nightmare would be that in a year's time, he still hasn't had enough game time and we just release him again because he is, I think, quite a promising talent and it would be great to see him develop here at Crawley. Now, very quickly, what's your best and worst signing? Best in hindsight, clearly Bez Labala. On a free as well from Birmingham. Absolutely great bit of business. And I was not surprised whatsoever that nobody could really decide on a worst piece of business. And that is absolute credit to Salim, Erdem and the entire club. Because if you can have hundreds of fans or listeners and, and people that do leave comments saying there was no bad business, that there's very, very few fan bases that I think can say that about their club at the end of a window. So congrats, Salim. Congrats, Erdem. Uh, thanks for all your, your sterling work. And I've got to agree with most people's opinions. The most, not the worst, but the most upsetting is definitely losing um, Philippe Moraes. Yes, although it was his personal decision. Very quickly also, I don't know all the ins and outs, but for me, worst decision or transfer or whatever, generally speaking, is... Have all of these players who have left gone on freeze? Because aren't we meant to be a selling club getting profit back? From all I can see is that they've just left on free transfers or on loans. I would say the ones we've kept, the, the big ones that we were scared of losing. So you've got Cissé, Ashley Nathaniel George, Panuche Kamara. I'm going to include Rhys Gregor Cox in that as well. I think if they had gone, they would have gone for money. I'm delighted to be keeping them because we can develop them for another year. Anybody that has gone, um, I don't think you would have got a fee for Anyway, so I don't think it's any concern. I know, I, I believe that the, the, the way the club is run, we, we need to um, 
sort of make half a million pound per summer to sort of ba not balance the books, but prevent Zaya Aaron having to put more money in. I think in the, in the terms of the, not the, the terms of the contract or condition, but it was expected that Crawley would make half a million pounds per year from selling on our young talent. Clearly hasn't happened yet, but you've still got the January transfer window. Um, I believe that is our, our club's business plan. Well, Ewan, we're on to your favourite segment, hopefully the listeners' favourite segment, because I also really do enjoy listening to this as well, so it might be my favourite segment. <laughs> it's Broadfield Buzz. It is Broadfield Buzz. So any new listeners, just so you're aware, this is where we talk about things that are happening off the pitch more than on the pitch, like fixtures and plays, etc. So only sort of three or four pieces in this episode. The first one is a talking point. And we alluded to it earlier in the show, and it was the disappointment of not retaining the Norwich crowd for the Cheltenham game. So for Norwich, we had 5,100 supporters, uh, calculated very sort of roughly, that was 1,500 extra Crawley fans that we'd usually have. And then for the Cheltenham game, we averaged around about 2,200 fans, including the away, which let's say 100 or so for a home league game. There was 1,900 people at the Cheltenham game. And... That's, I mean, I know the, the players were tired, but it clearly, the atmosphere in the ground, people raised their game to an atmosphere. I'm absolutely certain of that. And it was very, very flat the entire game. Um, so where did we go wrong? Why did we not retain those supporters who we got for Norwich? Why didn't they come back to Cheltenham? Okay, so there's 1,500 extra Reds fans who were in the stadium against Norwich, and I'm, I'm going to speak for like 95% of them, because I've got no doubt whatsoever that some people that came to Norwich for their first ever Crawley game were there at Cheltenham. There was a low crowd though, so clearly, clearly some Crawley supporters, um, season ticket holders, couldn't make it regularly. So I'm not, I'm not speaking for everybody here, but 95%, let's say, of those fans that came to the Norwich game didn't turn up for Cheltenham. In my opinion, this is going back a few years, the big, one of the biggest mistakes this club's ever made is when we went to Old Trafford in that cup game, fifth round in 2011, um, or 10, 10-11 season, um, we, we, sold, we took, was it 7,500 fans to Old Trafford? 7,500 Crawley fans to Old Trafford. We did not take... Crawley residents. Crawley residents, <laughs> sorry, Crawley residents. We, I was there. We did not take one single email address of those 7,500 fans that we took to Old Trafford. We didn't engage with them the way we should have. We just assumed, let's take them to Old Trafford, let's have an exciting game, let's put on a great performance, and we assume that they will come back. It's exactly what we've done with Norwich, okay? So we get a game against Norwich. Let's say we, we, it wasn't a sellout because there's a bit of segregation. There were a few, only a few seats, but we have a great, great crowd. Biggest crowd in years, okay? And we cross our fingers, hope for a great performance, and assume a great performance will mean they will come back. We did well. So we had a great game, great performance, great atmosphere. No one came back. Why didn't they come back? Again, it was an assumption that they would. So in hindsight, what we should have done, just a few things that came to mind during the Cheltenham game, because I was thinking, what, what's going on here? Where is everybody? So other than putting on a good performance, did we make those people, those new people, feel welcome? Okay, We absolutely should have. Other than the, the general sort of um, positive atmosphere and good stewarding and food and atmosphere that we provide, it's not good enough um, to, to retain those funds that we absolutely need. If we can increase our average fan base by a thousand each week, the financial repercussions of that are absolutely huge. Okay, So in hindsight, what we should have had 
even posters around the stadium, in the toilets, doesn't matter where it was, but just saying something like, first Crawley game, thanks so much for coming, can't wait to see you again. As they left the stadium, every single fan, season ticket holder or not, doesn't matter, you just got to give it to everybody, a leaflet to every single fan that's saying, first time at Crawley, thanks so much for your support, we'd love to see you here again on Saturday when we play Cheltenham, here's £10 off towards a ticket. Okay, We didn't do anything like that whatsoever. When these fans were buying their individual tickets, okay, did we ask the question, would you like to join our mailing list? There was no engagement whatsoever that I can see to make any sort of claim on retention for those extra 1,500 fans. And we've got to learn really quickly ahead of the Stoke game. I don't think we'll get 5,000 for Stoke because it's not like a Premier League team. If we get a four and a half, absolutely fantastic. But we've got to learn from this and engage with those supporters and make it feel like Crawley is going to be, it could be a Saturday home for them, okay? We cannot again assume that a good performance in a cup run is going to bring people back. We need them to come back. End of story. Yeah, and also people might have just forgotten in the nicest way because it, it's not really a habit for them, is it, to, to come to Crawley when they're playing at home. That, that was probably just a, a special outing because their mates told them you know, someone big was coming to town. Absolutely. And for the Stoke game, what you could do is everybody that buys a ticket for the Stoke game gets a voucher for a ticket for one of our t next two league games. Give it away because you might get an extra thousand in the stadium. And, and again, it, it will tail off eventually. We saw it in the sort of the, the two great promotion seasons. Eventually it tails off. But even if you get a thousand people in the stadium for the next league game, free of charge, doesn't matter. They buy food, they buy drink and slowly you'll retain some of them. But at the moment, no one came back. Really, really big issue. And it's something that's got to be addressed. And I'm really well, absolutely well aware that the, the term sort of plastic fan gets banded around. Because um, oh, uh, during the Cheltenham game or after it, people are asking, oh, where are the plastic fans from the Norwich game? I get that completely. But we, we've got to do more to em embrace them and say... You've got to start somewhere as well as being a fan. Like, not everyone can have just start with 15 years of supporting Crawley. Like, no. someone has to start that 15 years somewhere. Absolutely. So um, it, it's got to be embrace, engage and welcome. And uh, then you're putting something in place to get them back in, in, in the long term. Because it's not only good for the crowd, it's, it builds a bigger atmosphere, but it's also for the players. If they've got a thousand more people in the stadium, we saw it against Norwich, a full stadium, our best performance in years as a team. And if you get a thousand people for the next league game, if they're, even if they're only there once, that might push them on to a great performance in that game. That three points could be absolutely critical at the end of the season, let alone having even touched on the um, additional benefit for sponsors and the extra, uh, extra money they get for their um, input as well. So um, low of reasons to uh, be more engaging and uh, fingers crossed we can do something a little bit different for a uh, Stoke game. Moving on. Now, let's talk about A Bit of Bully, episode two. Yes, I've listened to it all the way through in the car. Generally, I'd say pretty well improved, although one thing I will comment on, Erdem, he should run again as a politician. I don't think this is the first <laughs> time that you, you've mentioned this before. But yeah. he was asked right at the end, what are your you know, feelings for the season now if we had a fully fit squad going throughout the whole season? He didn't really give an answer. He just kind of said, well, the, the team doesn't have a cap on it. They can achieve what they want to achieve. I was like, Adam, come on, give yeah. me an answer. But he's learned very well that people are going to you know, jump on him at the end of the season if he's wrong. And uh, yeah, what he doesn't want to give away, I'm guessing, is uh, quotes, such as Salim's quote, this team will compete. Um, <laughs> 
top seven guaranteed because they're going to live with Celine for a long time. So Erdem is being very clever, not giving away too many quotes. And I like it. Um, much better episode, better sound, more structure, some real insights from Erdem as, Erdem as well. So, um, for example, the Norwich game when we found out Lewis Young was meant to play, you'd never have found that out otherwise. And a couple of other players, I think only Turner Cliff and Dallas only turned up just in time for warm up. I think there was an issue at the top of the roundabout where a lot of players had to run down to the stadium. That was their warm-up from the from the like um, Peace Potters roundabout down to the stadium. So brilliant. So some real insights instead of the sort of the, the tame, funny stories which weren't that funny. Um, so so well done. It's gone from like a D minus to I'm going to say a B at the moment. Nice, nice. All right. Um, right next bit, and this is where me and Jonathan have to say a massive. Thank you, okay. If you're on Twitter, you would have seen Hong Kong Paul recently did a poll uh, about two days ago, and it was between Straight Red and a bit of Bully. He was going to give £500 to the listeners' favourite podcast, and... We cannot for, for equipment that is not just a bit. Oh of yeah, sorry. Money. Yeah, yeah five hundred pounds to go towards sand equipment. And if you listen to the show regularly, we've we mentioned it a couple of times. We really would love a bit of better equipment, um, and we cannot thank you enough. We're absolutely over the moon to say we got 65% of the vote 450 people voted which is more listeners than we get so that's interesting I think it's the highest voted on poll as well yeah absolutely and uh, we got 65% of the vote which is incredible and we were blown away by the nice comments so um, thank you to first of all of course Paul thank you to everybody that voted for us and to be honest uh, we don't really care which way you voted. The most important thing is is just getting more exposure for the medium that is that is podcasts. Um, because we the the Crawley Town one now they do have a let's call it a fairly good podcast that's enjoyable. We're going to be listening to every episode, of course. Um, but uh, we are absolutely over the moon. Thank you to everybody that voted. Um, a couple of comments. There were there were plenty of really nice comments. Again, I'm just going to read out a few of them. GH Away Travel. So the question was, um, vote, you, vote for your favourite podcast, Straight Red or A Bit of Bully. And you could leave comments, of course. GH Away Travel said, Straight Red for us. Main reason, they tell supporters about our away travel. Bit of a dig. <laughs> Is that a backhanded compliment? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm sure they think it's a good podcast too. So thank you very much, guys. And uh, we, we do enjoy, of course, giving the information about uh, the away travel. You do a great job. Ellis CTFC Barton said, Straight Red is the OG. It's got to be them. I had to Google what OG was. Wow, you're too old. (laughs) It's Original Gangster. Thank you, Ellis. I would say that um, Red's Bar Chat was the original gangster. But hey, we'll take it. Um, And Phil Monty said... Uh, I I like this comment. Phil Monty said, how about 50% each, please, Paul? Both great for the club and competition competition is, of course, healthy. So a lovely comment, Phil, but uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like like we say, um, this is, you don't realise how much 500 quid will do for us in terms of equipment. It means we can get a new unit so we can interview people properly. It's not done like on a phone. We cannot wait to bring you the uh, the benefits from this end in when you're listening. Hopefully you'll hear the benefits as well. It means we can have live jingles in the show as well. It means a lot. Um, and and Crawley, they've got Zaya Erin 
He can pump in 500 quid any time he likes, can't he? He probably earns 500 quid in two minutes. Probably does. But uh, yeah, thank you for your lovely comments. Thank you for your votes as well. Thank you, Paul, for the um, the offer just to put the competition out there. We were a bit nervous because it was close to early on, but um, really, really grateful. Thank you so much, everybody. And we'll be bringing you the benefits of that new sound equipment in a podcast very, very soon. A couple of last things. There's been a rise in season ticket sales, Jonathan. An increase. Go on, you're about to comment there. 4%. Yeah, so let's dig into this a little bit. Increase in 4% and the best since 2015. Now, I'm not entirely sure how many season decoders we have. Okay, I think... 4% more than before. (laughs) Come on, you're in, it's simple. But what I'm saying is, let's say, this is just a number, let's say we have 1,400 season decoders. Might be a little bit more, might be a little bit less, I'm not entirely sure. But 4% is only 54 extra season ticket holders so great to be on the rise a rise is better than a a decline absolutely but um god with this great transfer window winning games now the season tickets are still on sale you can still get them um you'd like to think it might be a little bit more than that especially with norwich and stoke so let's hope half season tickets can increase a little bit i remember when i was at the club our best ever year um i've been informed um just to sort of uh, confirm this number i think it was 1800 at one point during the 10 11 season and over 2000 if you include the half season tickets as well so again i don't know if 1400 is correct great to be on the rise um and let, let's keep that that sort of rise going Okay, um, last couple of bits. These are tiny bits now, just sort of throwing at the end of this uh, Broadfield buzz section. Just looking at the bottom of the League One table, I know Berry are obviously gone. There's, there's, there's stories now abound that they might actually be resubmitted into League Two instead of the very bottom of the pyramid. So we could be playing them next season. It remains to be seen. Very likely to be playing Bolton next season, where they're on minus 11 and lost their last four games 5 0. Who else is in the bottom four? It's Wimbledon and Southend. How good is that for a reduction in travel costs? And also maybe some rivalry. Absolutely. And also, Pompey not even doing that well. Can you imagine if, let's say, Bolton did an absolute flyer and coming down was Pompey, AFC Wimbledon and Southend? No doubt this will be our season when we get promoted. Hey, God take the rough with the smooth. And uh, yeah, it, it would be an incredible league and it would, I think you'd have a lot more people going to the closer, uh, closer away games. Um, potentially very exciting. Far too early in the season, but uh, I just I noticed it when I was looking through the league tables. Very last thing, Broadfield Buzz. Stoke ticket info. Prices again, just as Norwich. £10 adults, £5 concessions. Under-11s are free to the Carabao Cup third round. It's brilliant. Tickets go on sale on Monday to season ticket holders. That's just gone. And general sale starts 10 a.m. Monday, the 9th of September, online as well the same day. Let's pack the stadium again and let's get everybody that is there that isn't usually coming back. Also, jumping on the back of that comment, I just thought I'd like to say a massive thanks to all the fans for turning up as well. Whether you are there for your first game or whether you're there for your 500th game however many capability games you've been to the club and team definitely noticed the difference in the crowd they commented on it basically saying that that really did push them through it sounded like a, a crowd that was two times the size basically and it really does help so yeah get down to the broadfield the people's pension stadium whichever you like to call it and support your local team
Well, Ewan, the clock is ticking and it's now time for added time. Yeah, so do you want to talk about D3D4, Jonathan? Yes, yeah, so if you haven't heard of them already, D3D4 run a Twitter account. They also have a website as well. Basically, they focus on teams in Division 3 and Division 4, which, if you didn't know, is League 1 and League 2, of which we are a member of League 2. And uh, recently, uh, they've been coming along to some Crawley matches. I believe uh, someone who works for them in some sort of way lives pretty close by and and basically they've done a few vlogs uh they've also written a, a piece recently about how Crawley is doing things differently to other clubs basically how they are running things like a family club really creating a sense of unity and how that is the right way to go forward in football um despite maybe the big headlines being clubs crumbling to the floor here Crawley are really building something positive from the ground up including everyone and just highlighting to you guys you should probably go and check them out because it's really good content yeah, so it's James that did the last two vlogs and he is like the main host of D3D4. So it's D3D4Football.com is the website. Also type that into YouTube to watch their last two vlogs on the Crawley games against, it was, I think it was Crew and Norwich that he did the games for. So have a little look. And whilst we're on the topic of vlogs, which is V-L-O-G-S, if you're new to vlogs, like a video diary of events. We mentioned uh, last episode, there is a, name, a Crawley Town Vlogs young chap doing videos I said his name is Harvey. It's not. It's Joseph. So check out Joseph. Go on to YouTube.com and just search for Crawley Town Vlogs. He vlogs on all Crawley games, doing a really good job as well. Only two other things really in added time. The first one is, uh, this is really nice. I wanted to touch on this. This is from the Crawley Community Foundation. Um, they run extra time hubs every week. Okay, So this is where they aim to reduce social isolation and increase physical activity in the over 55. It's all part of World Alzheimer's Month in September as well. So if you're looking to meet new people, you're over the age of 55 or know somebody that is, every Friday, 11.30 to 1.30 for the over 55s. First session is free. They get together, spend some, some time with some like-minded people. Okay, so I really, really like that. Uh, last two things. Or one and a half things, really. So GH Coaches, the travel suppliers for Crawley Town fans. They've got two messages they sent us this afternoon ahead of the podcast. So here we go. With thanks to Paul Hayward, part funding coaches to Macclesfield and Northampton, they can now confirm that they've got a virtually full coach this Saturday, just the four seats remaining. So that's the trip to Macclesfield. Costs £10 and departs the stadium at 8am. And for Northampton, we've filled the first coach, half-filled the second coach as of today. Again, it's £10 departs the stadium at 9.30am we've been told by Premier that a third coach could be available should we need it it would be absolutely brilliant if we could fill the second and a third coach is needed on both trips we have a buffet stops arranged and that's included in the £10 travel to an away game and buffet 10 quid. can't go wrong absolute bargain yeah, and a very last thing, as we mentioned earlier in the show, we will have Sam on next week. We're going to, we wanted him here today, of course, but the, the, the timings is very sort of restricted on timing. So we're going to interview him separately next week, release it next week. So this is going to be episode 15. He will be included, it'll be like an episode 15.1, because we're linking it to this one, but that's coming next week. We did put a tweet out. Um, and on the forum and on Facebook as well, to any questions you want for Sam, um, of course, chair of the CTSA or outgoing chair of the CTSA, we will have more information of the meeting he's got as well. You'll probably see the minutes before the interview, but we'll be discussing that. So he's meeting with the board of Crawley um, Thursday this week. So that'll be next week. Um, really, really finally getting to that interview. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, and I think I'm looking at you now, Ewan. Uh, 
might put out another tweet. I know we've already tweeted about questions, but if anyone's thought of questions in the meantime or if you missed it and thought you were too late, we'll put out another tweet just gathering your final questions for him. Yeah, absolutely. So you could actually have questions regarding to the minutes they put out from their next meeting with the board as well. But yeah, we'll retweet or tweet out. Make sure there's plenty of opportunity for you to ask your questions. We've already got sort of seven or eight, nine questions in, which is great. And it's the kind of questions we predicted really. But that was back at the end of July, start of August. So I think, as we said, the dust has settled slightly on that scenario we had previously. So um, yeah, do fire those questions in um, in reply to our social media requests. Well, it's nearly been an hour of podcast. Can you believe that? Thank you so much for listening from you and myself. We will join you again next week for our exclusive interview with the CTSA. So hopefully you'll be able to join us for that. But for now, goodbye. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.